0: Amen. God's good. Amen. Did you bring your Bibles? All right. Declare this with me. This is my Bible. I live by its truth. I walk in its light. I rest in its promises. I'm empowered by its love. I overcome by the faith produced from receiving this seed sown into my heart. Father, today, let this truth come alive in every person. This morning, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, that's more than a confession, that's a declaration of truth that we make every week. And uh, the reason that I want you to bring your Bible, to carry a Bible, to look in your Bible, and in fact, I was actually recording, I love listening to Pastor Robert Morris. so I was setting it up to have his services record so I could listen to him after church today. And then, uh, but the, uh, there was a guy on there and he was saying, the reason I preach out of the Bible is because if, if I tell you something, you won't believe that. Or it can be challenged. But when God tells you something, you hold on to that. So you need to see God's word for yourself. The reason for the outlines. What we do. And didn't Pastor Tim do a great job last week? Yes. Amen. So blessed and just did a great job on being and encouraging and put together an amazing outline in that. We use it in our life group. So if you have your life group, use the outlines and be a part of it. Not plugged into a life group. Get connected. Amen. Hallelujah. But the area of taking God's Word, seeing it for yourself, and getting it in your own heart. You need to know that you know for yourself. Amen? Know that you know for yourself. And so this morning, we're launching into a series. I did a little introduction for you two weeks ago on divine principles and walking through the Word. And one of the things, I, when I started the service, this is what I said, that this book is banned in 52 nations in the world. The reason your Bible is banned, and that's why I'm always amazed at, that. just think about that. This book is banned in 52 nations. That's how powerful it is. That's how 52 nations are afraid of this book getting in to their culture. They know that if this book and the truth that it contains gets into their culture, it will reform their country. And they will lose control of the people that live in the borders of their country. So if this book is that powerful, what would happen if it got into your heart? And so what happens is, is that there's things that when we have, you can become, we talked about it Monday night with our men's group and stuff, and that and men, if you're not busy on Monday night, just come join us at 6.30 in the fellowship hall. We just do a men's Bible study together, have a great time, and it's open to every, all, all of our men to come and be a part of that. But uh, we, I asked you a question, how do you become familiar with God? How to become too familiar with anybody? when you take certain things for granted, amen, and, and they lose their value and you just ha- have assumptions instead of convictions, amen, how many know this is going to be fun this morning, hallelujah, so I'm starting this series and for the next four weeks we're going to do this series on being blessed, broken and giving, God's pattern for our life, how many know God wants you blessed? God wants you blessed. He wants you debt-free. He wants you fear-free. He wants you worry-free. He wants you able to live and be an expression of his abundant grace in our lives. Amen. And so God has given us principles to live by. And when we apply the principles of God's Word, we receive the promises that they're connected to. Every time God gives us a principle, it's connected to a promise. The reason we say in that area, from the faith produced by receiving the seed sown into my heart, that's going to become evident to you this morning. So if you have your Bibles, open up, if you would, uh, to Luke chapter 9. No, actually, let, and change, I'm going to change that. Let's go to Matthew chapter 14 instead. Because Matthew 14, Luke chapter 9, and Mark chapter 6 uh, all deal with the, the same thing. But in Matthew chapter 14, it says a little bit differently. And I want to bring this out this morning. Matthew chapter 14 and verse 13. When Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat. To a deserted place by himself. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them, and healed their sick. And when it was evening his disciples came to him, saying, This is a deserted place. Somebody say a deserted place. And the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away, and they will go into the villages and buy themselves food. But Jesus said to them, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. Now, let's just get a picture. That's what, in your Bible, and maybe in the margin there at the top, and the, the breaks in the, in the text there, it'll say the feeding of the 5,000. If we go on and read the whole text here, it says there were 5,000 men plus women and children. So he didn't feed 5,000, he fed 5,000 plus Amen? Possibly 10,000, maybe 15,000, maybe even more. And so it's very important if you're going to live by God's Word that you really pay attention to what you read. Those are simple things. So we say, oh, Jesus, this is Jesus feeding the 5,000. 5,000 men plus. Amen? In fact, I was getting ready this morning, and we're going to be breaking things down a little bit about numbers and understanding clarity from God's Word here a little bit. But there's another thing, and I'll hear people talk about the area of Jesus. How many remember when the woman broke the alabaster box and anointed Jesus? Let me ask you this. How many times was Jesus anointed like that? Three times. (coughs) By three distinctly different women. But most of the time when people preach on the alabaster box in Jesus, it's usually one time or it's always one woman. Because there's only one woman mentioned by name. And that's Mary, Lazarus' sister. She's mentioned by name. That was two days before the Passover. Six days before the Passover, Jesus is in another setting and a woman comes in unidentified and anoints him. At the beginning of his ministry in Luke... He's at Simon's house, the Pharisee's house, and a woman comes in and anoints him with oil and washes her feet with her tears. Three times Jesus was anointed. At the beginning of his ministry, six days before Passover, and two days before Passover. Three distinctive times. Are you listening to me? The reason I'm saying that is it's important if if you're believing God, you want to live for God and you want to receive his promises, you have to be a student of the word. And so you have to know what the words are, because then we just think and we assume. And and so, but if you get serious about this, God's word contains everything you need to live the abundant life that he declared that you can live, to live blessed, to live free without worry. But you have to have a desire to know what's in the word. Amen. And, And so what I try to do, I want to inspire you to be a student of the word. Go a little deeper. Come on, turn your brain on. I've been amazed. People, we, we, we use our brain for so many things, but for some reason when we go to church, we just want to turn it all off. And we think God's just going to infuse us with knowledge. God's going to supernatural, put into my head what he wants me to know. No, not really. <laughs> not so much. Amen. We have to hunger and desire and go after him. Amen. And when Jesus say? You shall seek me and you shall what? Find me. How? When you search for me with all your heart. In fact, go go with me to Proverbs 2 real quick. We'll just let the Holy Spirit take us on a little journey here, and then we'll get back to the message. Proverbs chapter 2, real quick. How many would like to be wiser than you are? Okay, how many know God has an answer? Proverbs chapter 2, verse 1. My son, if you receive my words, somebody say receive. receive. Not, that doesn't mean hear, it means receive. Receiving and hearing, two different things. If you receive my words and treasure my commands with where? Within you, treasure my commands within you, so that you incline your ear to hear wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasure, then you will understand. Somebody say, understand. The fear of the Lord and find. Somebody say, find. Find. The knowledge of God. So how many know that, the, that, that, that Solomon just said it's an effort, it's a pursuit, it's a treasure hunt that you go after? And my desire as your pastor is I just want to inspire you to go on a treasure hunt into the Word of God. And so by doing that, so if I can reveal some of these principles to you today, maybe you'll get hungry to understand them. So look at your outline. God's plan for our life and for his church is one that brings his divine order and purpose into our life. The life of Christ is an illustration to humanity on how to live to purpose. Why did God become as a man? We don't have time to get into all that, but Jesus lived before us as all men how we can live for God in the earth. He illustrated for it. He gave us the pattern. So understand this. Peace always flows from purpose. If you don't have peace, then you're probably off a little bit in the area of purpose. There's a threefold cord that flows through everything that is complete. And as we go through this lesson, this is a, a principle of Three. I'm going to give you a lot of threes this morning, just as this introduction. There are six lessons that are going to go with this, and uh, we're going to do it in, in the next four weeks. Amen. So there's a threefold chord that flows through everything that is complete. Three is the number of divine perfection. That chord is seen in one area of our life. Go back with me to Matthew, and let's finish reading here about the feeding of the 5,000 and more. Amen. This feeding of the multitude. Verse 16, but Jesus said to them, Matthew 14, verse 16, they do not need to go away, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, him, Here, they said to him, We have here only five loaves and two fish. And he said, Bring them here to me. Then he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass, and he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed, somebody say blessed, Blessed. and broke, say broke. broke, and gave, say gave. So he blessed, broke, and gave the loaves to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the multitude, so they all ate and were filled, and they took up the 12 baskets of the fragments that remained. Now those who had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. So not just couples, but also women and children. There could have been families of six or eight. There could have been, yeah, I mean, know? there could have been a lot of people that ate off of the increase of five loaves and two fish in a deserted place where there was no means of provision. Somebody says, why did he do that? Did Jesus need to prove that he was God's son? Was he doing it? Out of pride? Out of a need for validation? Why did he do it? Was it just something that he did that has no bearing on our life? Is it just a story in the Bible? Oh, that's cool. And we just read past it and go on? Doesn't mean anything? No, this is the principle for how you and I are to live our life. Look in your outline here. The cord is seen in one area of our life. This threefold cord is seen in one area of our life. We are blessed by being received. We are broken by being defined to purpose. Being broken and separated from my plan. John 16 and verse 15, it says that Jesus began to separate himself because they knew that they were coming to take him and force him to be king. So people around Jesus had a plan for what they wanted him to be. Let me ask you today, what's your plan of who you want God to be? Who do you want God to, who you're trying to make God to be in your life? In fact, just turn over to John 16 and read it for me, with, with me just for a minute. I got four weeks, so I'm not going to be in a hurry. I want you to get this. Does anybody want to get this truth in your life? John chapter 16, look at me at verse 15. Therefore, when Jesus perceived they were about to come and take him by force to make him king. Let me say it to you like this. So many times, Christians, we're trying to force God to do what we want Him to do in our lives. To answer our prayers the way we want them answered. To meet our needs the way we think He should meet our needs. Instead of learning how to live blessed, broken, and given. If we'll learn the truth, it'll transform our lives. And so, so many people have twisted ideas. I I wrote a thing out the other day and I posted it about the, 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 the subtle form of idolatry. Idolatry is the worship of an image. And I have to be very careful that I haven't formed a mental image of a God in my head and call that my worship. Instead of worshiping the God of the Bible. And mental idolatry is very prevalent in human culture. Because we all have our opinions and our ideas of who God is. Let me tell you who he is. He's not the God in your head. He's the God of his word. And so I have to make sure that my head agrees with his word. Your mind is either your greatest asset or or, or your greatest uh, adversity. Because we're finding out here that faith comes from receiving the seed sown into my heart, not into my head. And too many Christians are approaching God with their head and not with their heart. Are you doing all right? And so we want to attack all of that. You see, in Acts chapter 4 and verse 30, they prayed and they said, Lord, that that, that stretch forth and do signs and wonders, and by stretching out your hand to heal. So we want to be delivered from the arm of man to the hand of God. Think about this. The word of God is full of men who did not respond correctly to God's brokenness in their life. Saul refused to be broken and shaped towards God's purpose. Therefore, he lost the throne and lost the anointing. Amen. Gehazi refused to be submitted to the prophet and lusted after money and went after things, and therefore lost the anointing and even became leprous. What about Judas? Judas was one of the one trying to force Jesus to be king. Why did Judas betray Jesus? Because Judas was a zealot before he was called, and, and they wanted to overthrow the Roman rule. So he was trying to put Jesus in a predicament. He was trying to position God. To move the way he wanted him to move. Are you listening to me? We have to be careful that we don't fall into that same trap. So when we learn to live in the understanding and the flow in this principle, we will find the fulfillment in life that we are looking for. But before we can dive into this lesson, we need to go back to the beginning and get clarity of understanding of how God worked through his principles in our lives so we can live in peace. So I want you to hear it again. Peace always flows from purpose. And the life of Christ was God's illustration to humanity on how to live to purpose. When we have purpose, we have direction, and we have understanding. Amen? When you have purpose. And people say, Pastor, why are you so intentional? Why do you teach with so much depth? Because life is out to destroy you. You have an adversary that is working, and the only way you're going to overcome the enemy is through the knowledge of the truth. Amen? And so we have to be connected to God's truth in our life. Peace is a threefold cord of purpose, direction, and understanding of God's purpose in our life. And if you can understand this, God has an eternal purpose. Ephesians chapter 3 said that God is doing everything according to His eternal purpose. And He knows exactly where you fit in His purpose. And when I get saved, then I live to have his purpose fulfilled through my life. Then I live in the flow of his kingdom. Doing okay? All right. So... If we don't have clarity of understanding in the principle of God, we will never be able to understand his purpose in our lives. And we will never be at peace in our lives or in our walk with God. The threefold principle of increase is a principle that we have to understand. I must first understand that the only reason that God has principles for any type of giving in his word is never to get anything from us. How many know Jesus wasn't trying to rip off somebody's Happy Meal? He didn't say that kid went to Long John Silver's, go get his lunch. He's got five loaves and two fish over there. He wasn't trying to to get anything from anybody. He's trying to get everything he has planned and prepared for us to us. But we get defensive against God. We make God. See, the Bible says the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy And when God gives us principles for our life that require us releasing anything to Him, we think that He's trying to get something from us. He is not trying to get anything to you. He's trying to get you to agree with Him so He can release everything He's prepared for you to you. Amen. Amen. So it's always best to start at the beginning. Go back with me to Genesis chapter 1. Who knows what the word Genesis means? Huh? Beginning. Beginning. Amen. So it's best to begin at the beginning. Genesis chapter 1 verse 9, then God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters he called seas, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the earth bring forth grass and herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, and the herb that yields seed according to its Kind. Everybody say kind. kind. Now watch it. And the tree that yields its fruit, who seedeth in itself according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning were the what? Third day. Third day. Day. On the third day, God brought forth the earth. In Genesis, God formed the earth on the third day, the dry land, with the purpose to receive seed and bring forth harvest, thereby introducing the threefold principle of seed, soil, and harvest. What well, God just declared there in Genesis 3, that the earth was brought forth for the purpose of receiving seed, earth was brought forth to receive seed and bring forth Harvest. Are you with me? Then on the sixth day, three days later, God formed man out of the dust of the soil of the earth for his life to be governed by the same principle of seed, soil, and harvest. You were created to receive the seed of the word sown into the soil of your heart and to bring forth the harvest it contains. That's how God created you. That's the way God created you. Amen. Pastor Tim, you're on the front row. I'll use you. Come up here. Stand stand right here real quick. Okay. Can everybody see this? Can you tell what's in here? Dirt, 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 soil, soil, earth. All right. Okay. This is earth. Okay. This was created. What what is this? Seed. Seed. All right. So God says this, I'm bringing forth the earth. The purpose of the earth is to receive seed. And this seed planted in soil will bring forth after its own kind. Okay. Let me know that's not rocket science. Let me tell you this. That's as hard as faith has to be right there. If you're making your faith any harder than that, you have a religious spirit. That's it right there. Okay, let me give you this. Mark chapter 4, Jesus said, the sower sows the word. Let me ask you this morning, what am I doing right now? Sowing the word. Okay, what is this? Huh? No, what is this? Huh? Okay. This was made from... This is dirt. Okay? Really good dirt. High quality, well, you know. Amen. Great dirt. Amen. But, now what? So God made the soil and he said, this is going to receive seed. I called forth the earth for the purpose. And when the earth was brought forward, he defined the purpose of the earth. That it would receive seed and bring forth after the kind of the seed that went into it. Then he said, Genesis 2 and verse 7, we didn't read it, that God formed man out of the dust of the earth, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and he became a living being, a living soul. Again, three, formed, breathed, life. Anytime you see three in the Bible, pay attention. Are you listening to me? Pay attention. And so this, but but see, we forget I am this. Now, now wait a minute. Wait a minute. So this is what? And what is this looking for? What what does it need to produce? Okay, here's what religion. God is sovereign. He can do anything he wants. And people think, God, that this is just going to produce floating out here. And somehow if I do this when I'm singing, it's even more spiritual. (laughs) We have all this stupid stuff we do. This is seed that needs to get into soil. And and so in Mark chapter 4, it says that the soil, hold this right here, that the soil is your heart. God never mentions your head. God is not trying to get His Word into your head. He's trying to get His Word into your heart. And if this Word can get into your heart, it will produce after its own kind. What does this Word contain? Whose life does it contain? John chapter 1. In the beginning was... And the word became and dwelt among us. So if this word gets in you, what will it produce in you? The life of Christ. But it's got to get in you. Now, now what do you have to do? you got to get rid of all your religious garbage that is in your head. We have all these ideas about what God will do, and God does this. Well, I think, the moment you say, I think this, you need to just flush that idea. Because <laughs> you're not to live by what you think, you're to live by what you know. First John, read First John. That you may know, that you may know, that you may know, that you may know, that you may know. 24 times in the little epistle of 1 John, John says that you may know, that you may know, that you may know, that you may know. Not that you may think. You may know. Are you listening to me? You're awesome. No, he is. An amazing man of God. And he's great soil because all he said, he said, yeah, him and Eve said, yes, God. We just say yes to you. They they sense God speaking to their hearts. They say, yes, God, we'll obey you. We'll go across the sea. We'll take our kids. Where people say you shouldn't take your kids, that it's unsafe there. No, we're going to take our family. We're not leaving our kids. We'll go as a family. We believe God will protect us. And so for 20 years, God uses them overseas. And then he thinks, hey, I know a church that needs some help, so I'll send some amazing people to help them. And we scored big time. Somebody shout amen. amen. Hallelujah. So God's so good. So look back at your outline. Watch this. So God ordained. Now let, let me just give you Mark chapter 4 and in, in, in just encapsulate it here. In Mark chapter 4 it said the sower sows the word. And it either falls on wayside ground, on stony ground, on thorny ground, or good ground. All four of those grounds declare the condition of your heart. It's only talking about your heart. And I believe verse 13, in Mark chapter 4, verse 13, the disciples said, well, what do you mean by this? Jesus says, you don't understand this. Listen to what he said. If you don't understand this parable, then how will you understand them all? This truth is central to you understanding everything in the Word of God, that God's Word is seed, and it's given to you in such a way that you, God formed you in the beginning out of third day soil to receive the seed of his word planted in your heart. And the, the attack that comes against, in Mark chapter 4, the attack is never against a person, it's always against the word. The one thing the devil doesn't want in your heart, he knows exactly what God said. Earth was created to receive seed and bring forth after its own kind. You are made of this earth. If this word gets in you, he cannot stop it from reproducing after its own kind. So he doesn't want it to get in your heart. He wants you to have lofty religious ideas. And he wants you to be so convinced about your ideas that you'll argue and debate and even separate over them. Oh, this is really good this morning. But if it gets in your heart, it changes everything. And so the enemy comes immediately to steal the word that was sown in their heart. But if the heart only has a little bit of depth to it, then the moment, listen what it said the moment persecution and affliction comes for the word's sake, not for the person's sake. See, our problem is we think we're all that and a bag of beans. And we think everything is about us. No, God is about getting his life in you. And when things happen to us, we take everything personal and we forget it's an attack of the enemy trying to keep the word of God from functioning in our lives. The devil's not afraid of you. He's afraid of what God's word will produce and become in you. So he says, i got to keep this word out of their heart. And so he attacked with persecution and affliction for the word's sake. If that doesn't work, he presents you with the American gospel. (laughs) The deceitfulness of riches, the lust of other things. Amen. Amen. Entering in, begin to choke the word. And it becomes unfruitful. You doing all right? So the American gospel has made the word of God of no effect in people's lives. Amen. I still love you anyway. (laughs) Hallelujah. So watch this. God ordained that every seed would produce after its own kind. This applies to the seed of his word as well. It produces his life in us. How many would agree? Now let me just walk you through these real quick. I might be able to get to the first part. We'll pick this up next week. Three is God's number of divine perfection. If you ever studied numerology or any of that in biblical numerology, it's amazing study. There's four perfect numbers: three, seven, ten, and twelve are God's four perfect numbers. But we're not going to go into all. Three, though, is the number of divine perfection. Think about this. The lost sheep, lost coin, lost son define what it means to be lost. Luke chapter 15 is one parable that defines what it means to be lost. Lost sheep, lost coin, lost son. Lost sheep, lost direction. Lost coin, lost value, lost son, lost identity. If you lose your identity, you lose your value, and it alters your direction, and you end up lost. Are you with me? Three, the principle of three. Body, soul, and spirit define humanity. The Father, the Word, the Spirit agree in heaven. The Spirit, the water, and the blood witness and agree on earth. First John 5, verses 6 through 8. Faith, hope, and love are the three abiding virtues in 1 Corinthians 3. Now abideth for every eternal faith, hope, and love. Three, three, three virtues, three eternal virtues. Three, somebody say three. The to, three is the number of divine perfection. First fruit, uh, faith, hope, and love. First fruits, tithes, and offering are God's three principles for giving. The most screwed up theology in the church today is on giving. Amen. And the most adverse response people have to giving is based upon greed and covetousness and fear. And everything rooted in the fear of not having enough and lack and unbelief, everything. But look what, happ- look what happened when, when they gave Jesus what they had. It got blessed, it got mixed with His, and it gave back to them in abundance more than what they had to start with. Are you doing all right? All right, I'm just trying to help somebody this morning. So watch it. And then here, blessed, broken, and given is the threefold pattern Jesus gave us to live and to minister by. Go with me to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew 26, begin verse 20. Now, when evening had come, he sat down with the twelve. And as they were eating, he said, Assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they went, they were exceedingly sorrowful, and each of them began to say, Lord, is it I? Then he said, It is he who dipped his hand with me in the dish will betray me. The Son of Man goes, it is written of him, but woe to him by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. Then Judas, who was betraying him, answered and said, Rabbi, is it I? And he said, You have said it. Verse 26. And as they were eating, Jesus took, took the bread. Watch you, He took the bread. Now watch these next things. What did he do? He blessed it, and He broke it, and He gave it to the disciples. And He said, take, eat. What? This is my body broken for you. Okay, watch this. One meal in a desert fed multitudes. One life on the cross saved the world. But because Jesus was willing to live blessed, broken, and given. The increase of God's kingdom was upon him. And if you want God's increase upon your life, then you have to learn to live blessed, broken, and given. Everybody wants to be blessed. Sometimes people don't mind giving something, but nobody likes being broken. Because broken is being defined to his purpose, not your desire. Jesus went through, how many many remember what what Jesus prayed in the garden? Father, not my will, but yours be done. Gethsemane is a compound word, geth and simony. It's a compound word. It means the pressing place, and simony means life. It is the flow of life. And in Gethsemane, what happened is you go, everybody will go through a Gethsemane where God presses your self-life out of you, where self gets pressed out of you, and what comes forth is the pure Life of God. Are you with me? Gethsemane is the place where a spiritual circumcision takes place. And flesh no longer comes in contact with the seed of life. And so it is a pure uncontaminated flow of life. But that's brokenness. And that's allowing God to define your life. It's not us defining it, asking God to bless it. Here's where the church misses it. When you define what you need from God as a blessing, you just told the devil how to destroy you. The devil said to Jesus in the wilderness, he said, if you will fall down and worship me, all this world that you can see, all the riches, all the power are in my hand. And I will bless you. The devil is able to bless you naturally as well as God. And once you tell him, God, this is what I want you to do, God, I, I, if God would do this, I would be blessed. Once you begin to define, yeah, he knows how to deceive. Purpose says I don't get to define. Brokenness says I don't get to define it. This is what I I give, and when I give my life to him, I immediately become blessed. I no longer need to get blessed. Jesus received what was given to him. The moment he received it, the next thing after receiving is he blessed. Are you with me? He blessed it. The moment he blessed it, it became increased. But then when he gave it back, he gave it back with define he gave it back in multiplied form with his defined purpose the increase came back not for them to eat first but to give first are you with me and then after they would live off of the increase of being blessed broken and given Jesus understand if he would come, coming he gave his life to the Father and he lived blessed by the Father. And he chose to live in broken purpose before the Father. Not my will but yours be done. I only do those things that I see and hear my Father say and do. Therefore I know... I'm giving my life. Nobody takes my life from me. I freely give it. Jesus illustrated it in a lunch feeding the multitude, but he also illustrated it in his life lived out for us. And he gave his life. And you and I are the recipients of the increase that comes from being blessed, broken, and given. Oh, give God a praise. Go ahead. Amen. I'm going to take two more minutes because I want to get through these threes, and I'm going to close right here. We're not going to go into the first part, but I want you to watch this. So three stands for that which is solid, real, substantial, and complete, and entire. That's a definition in that area if you break it down. Or three is the number of completion. Everything that is complete is stamped with three. God's attributes are three. He's all-knowing, He's all-powerful, and He is all-present. Those are the three attributes of God. There are three divisions in time, past, present, and future. Thought, word, and deed complete the sum of human capability. The simplest proposition requires three things to complete it, the subject, the predicate, and the copula. Three kingdoms embrace our idea of matter, mineral, vegetable, and animal. Three is the number associated with the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Completing the fullness of the Godhead. The word fullness is used only three times in the con- in, and it is in connection with the Godhead in Ephesians twice in Colossians 1. This is why the seraphim in heaven cry, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord God Almighty. Three is the number of divine completion man is threefold spirit soul and body man has three great enemies the word the flesh and the devil temptation comes on three levels the lust of the flesh the lust of the eye and the pride of life are you getting this this morning so anytime god gives you a three in his word i want you to stand up and pay attention Wait a minute, God is showing me something, and any time a three is connected to it. Listen to what Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, verse 38. "Given it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Woo! Amen. Amen. God always does amazing things in our lives. Amen. So watch this. In Genesis one and verse 13, again, it's the first mention of the number three. This is was the day, as we said, on which the earth was raised out of the water, symbolic of the resurrection life that we have in Christ Jesus, in which we alone can worship, serve, or do, in, in which in which we alone can worship, serve, or do any good works. All in Christ alone. Amen. Think about it. It was the third day that Jesus was resurrected. It was the third hour that he was crucified. It was for three hours that he was surrounded with darkness while hanging on the cross. Because we're formed out of the dust of the earth, we are fashioned out of the same third day completion. Hear it again. We are created like the earth to receive the seed of God's word and bring forth the harvest of increase. That's why the parable of the sower is key to understanding. Amen. David, go ahead. Hallelujah. So I thought, how could I illustrate it this morning? How many know when God said, look what God said? He gives a principle. When it comes to giving, God said this about tithing. This is my income. So tithe means a tenth. So I have 10 here. And God said, if you will honor me with the tithe and offering, and we're going to receive our offering right now. If you're going to honor me with your tithe and your offering, this is what I'll do. He said, begin by taking a tenth and if you worship it with me then when you give every time you give what you give to God this is what happened you give to God and it goes to him and whatever you give it to God the moment you give it it is no longer yours the moment you give to God when you give your finance to God it's no longer yours it becomes his it's mixed with his and what you gave loses its identity, and it's now in him. And how many know this is even more than what I have left over? Doing all right? And so God says, Paul says, my God shall supply all of my need according to his riches and glory. And God says, when you do that, you want, God said, if you honor me with the tithe, with the tenth, then I will open the window of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you will not be able to contain. Now, I don't know about you, I'm not a smart man. That's a good deal. Amen? What God says is that whatever I'm asking you to do, when Jesus fed the multitudes, he said, give me what you have I will receive it the moment I receive what you give me it becomes blessed I will mix it with mine it will no longer be yours it will now be mine and because it's mine I can define its purpose and if you will let my purpose be defined then I will pour out to you more than you will have and not only will you meet the need that I have sent you to meet, but you will have an abundance left over (laughs) I'm not a smart man but I'm smart enough to understand that. Now look what's happened. People have all kinds of mental ideas about what God's trying to get to them. When I let the truth of God's word get into me. says what bring, Jesus said, bring me what you have. And I'll show you a kingdom. Jesus did not feed the multitudes because he was on a power trip to show off for any narcissistic reason he did it to reveal the kingdom to his disciples because he's only going to be with them a short space of time how many times did he say how long shall I be with you I don't have long time left to be with you so this morning this is what we do we decide this is my income how can I let any go I, I, I don't see enough because you're looking here and not here Because you've made this your source and not God. Anytime your money is your source. Anytime your time is, is, anytime what you have, resources, your talent, your time, able to serve, able to give on any level. what God has asked you to give. You will never see enough. But God says when you give, I will always give back out of myself. Father, today I thank you as your people give today. Lord, I thank you for your blessing that is upon their life. And Father, I pray the truth of your word would so explode in each and every one of them. Father, that the faith that comes from receiving the seed of your word in their life would produce in them the overflowing victory that you have declared. So Father, today as they give, as they honor you, with tithes and offerings, first fruits and increases. Father, bless them according to your word today. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Go ahead, ushers. Receive the offering this morning. Amen. Let me just give you this at the end while they're receiving the offering we will never see the fullness of God's Word come to pass in our lives until we allow the seed of His Word to be planted in our hearts and produce the harvest it contains through being blessed, broken, and given. As I said this morning, earlier, as I began, 52 nations have banned God's Word from operating in their lives, in their boundaries. Let me ask you, what restrictions have you placed upon God's word in the nation of your heart? You say, how, how would a Christian do that? I hear Christians say it all the time. Different faith, different beliefs. That's not for today. That's not for today. That, that was... Then, but that's not for now. That was Old Testament, or that passed away with the apostles. How many believe whether it's miracles or whatever it is? There's all kinds of people say, Well, no, that, that, that's not for today. That doesn't apply to us today. We can't do it. That was just the apostles. God just did that through that time. That was a special thing He did then. You know what you're saying? That word will never work in my country. The, that part of, the, of God's word is banned from operating in my country. Kagata. Or people have ideas about healing. I mean, it doesn't matter what it is. Anything that provision of God's word, promise. So how free is your nation today? What's the freedom of religion in your heart? How free is God to operate in the boundaries of your life? How much transformation can he bring to pass? Stand with me this morning. If you need prayer in any area of your life, I don't care what it is, you're here today, you've never given your life to Christ. That's number one. The number one way you let God in is you make Him Lord of your life. Maybe today you need to come and we'll pray with you to accept Christ as your Savior. Maybe today you need to let go of fears and anxieties over different areas, afraid that God wouldn't be enough. I love how Jesus met the need of the multitudes in a place where there wasn't enough. We talked about this yesterday morning with the men. Maybe you're here today and your God's not big enough for you to have faith to be able to live in California. There's all kinds of people. There's people all all over that need to go someplace else because God's not big enough to sustain them here. Well, that got quiet. Hallelujah. I I, I just always think, how, how big's your God? God doesn't know where you live. He doesn't know what you're facing. He doesn't know what's going on. God will always show up and show off on your behalf for His glory. Amen? No matter, what, I, I would rather be in a deserted place because then God gets the glory. Amen? I'm just going to stand and believe God. And you heard me say it before. I'd rather be a missionary. You, you, in California, let me tell you what you are right now. You're a missionary in a foreign country. California doing everything it can, can, can possibly think of to do to, to distance itself from America, from the United States. So you live in a foreign country right now. You're an illegal alien in California. Amen. And you're a foreign missionary. Bless God, let's preach the gospel. Let's bring revival. Why do missionaries go to foreign countries? To bring the gospel, to bring truth, to bring light into darkness. What does California need? It needs the gospel. It needs some Christians who have enough cojones to stay. And quit running in fear. Believe God. Believe God. Amen. If you need prayer this morning, come on up here. We want to pray and believe God with you. Any prayer in any area. Healing in your body. Breakthrough in any area. Victory over fire. I don't care what it is. We pray for everything that doesn't move.